A quest is a search for something. And every week, the Quest podcast will show you how we know what we know through interviews with people that have incredible stories of dedication and perseverance. I'm your host, Todd Fisher. Join me in this thought-provoking and inspiring podcast of discovery. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to A Catholic's Perspective, the podcast all about being a young Catholic surviving in a secular world. Today, I have a very special guest with us. We have Patrick O'Hearn. He is a husband and father. He has authored seven books, including The Parents of Saints, Nurseries of Heaven, The Shepherd at the Crib and the Cross, Courtship of the Saints, The Grief of Dads, Go and Fear Nothing, and Our Lady of Sorrows, which is the book we're talking about today. His subjects are interested, um, his subjects of interest include the lives of the saints, interior life, and he holds a master's degree in education from Franciscan University. And you can visit his website at patrickohern.com. We'll put that in the show notes. But welcome, Patrick. It's so great to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Amber. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to discuss this book. So this book is being released on February 20th. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. I'm so excited for this. So I have a huge devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows, um, and I'm just really happy to get into this book and to discuss the seven sorrows of Mary and learn how to grow a devotion with her. So what kind of um, compelled you to compile this beautiful book of prayers and and um, write this? So as you can see behind me, uh, I have a statue of Our Lady of Sorrows, and that actually that statue, I I wanted to buy some that statue after visiting uh, is Rhoda Wise. She's a mystic in in Ohio that actually healed Mother Angelica. She's up for canonization, but I, I went to her house, and uh, she's been dead for a long time. But she, she had these all these statues. And I'm like, and I'm like, I need to get one of Our Lady of Sorrows. So since uh, since I've been a kid, just have been drawn to Our Lady Sorrows. Just it's a very simple devotion, and uh, you know, praying seven Hail Marys every day and the. And that's what I've just always, obviously, uh, I feel like Our Lady always draws me to the to the passion of Christ. And so uh, that, I just, as a boy, that devotion is, there's so many devotions in the church, but I feel like this one is probably, I would say that's the easiest to do, but yet it's probably, the, I think, in my opinion, after the rosary, it's, it's the most powerful um, devotion. Absolutely. I love Our Lady of Sorrows. She has helped me you know, when I felt like I couldn't turn to anybody, I'm a revert, you know, I, um, I fell away from my faith for eight years and I came back and I had so many wounds from being away from the church, from, you know, being introduced to pornography, to abusive relationships, to so many things and being able to unite my suffering with her and Jesus on Calvary has helped me in so many ways, just overcome and heal from even the most difficult traumas. And so, I absolutely love Our Lady of Sorrows, and I always suggest people uh, start this devotion. And as we're discussing this, I know that this book, was, is this book targeted more for kids, or what's the target audience for this book? Yeah. It, it is for children, but I think as parents reflect and they they read this with their children, like, they're going to love this book as well. And so there's, there's you know, it begins with... Um, you know, we go through, I, I have the scripture verses of every, you know, all the sorrows where they're at in the Bible. And then I'll, oh, sorry, to be, it begins with, I have Father Rippinger's forward in there, which is, uh, you know, just huge because he has a great devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. And he actually wrote 
four prayers specifically for this book for children. And I think uh, they're going to love it. And I, so I started the book with a, a meditation from scripture on that sorrow. So like the first sorrow, the prophecy of Simeon, I, you know, I, I show where that's in scripture. And then I have our lady speaking to a child, what she would say, what she's experiencing in that sorrow. And then we have, um, then we do the, um, have the uh, hail Mary in English and Latin. And then there's a prayer to our lady for some kind of virtue uh, associated with that sorrow. So I kind of walk, you know, walk you through each of these seven sorrows and the, uh, the paintings and off the pulp of my phone by Adelaide Houdet, who's just one of the most brilliant illustrators. But I mean, even like the artwork with the different, so each wow. sword, and then, you know, as you can see the different, I mean, these are all her paintings, but you, you just see, um, and I can, uh, so this is kind of, it's tough for you to see the layout, but it has our lady, the Hail Mary, and then the prayer. And then you go on to the next, um, like the next sorrow, the second sorrow. So I think it just, it helps you. Yeah. So this book is, I, I think it's, it's for children, but I think adults will fall in love with it as well. I love that. And I definitely know how artwork can speak. I mean, beauty, through beauty, we can come to know God because God is beautiful and he loves beautiful things. And so having beautiful artwork in these books, along with the beautiful prayers and everything else, I think it really cultivates our faith, you know, uh, seeing this beauty. And Our Lady of Sorrows, I know a lot of parents are probably asking, like, why would my kid need a devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows? Like, what's going on in their life that's, you know, so bad? And it's like, you know, kids go through things too, where they really need their heavenly mother. I think there are so many times where earthly mothers, you know, their biological parents Mm -hmm. fall short. Um, There's a lot of places where moms lose their tempers, they're human, you know, but their heavenly mother is perfect. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there might be something going on at school. There might be something going on with a friend, a boyfriend, whether they're a teenager or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be that Our Lady of Sorrows can can help comfort them. Um, and so I guess, uh, Patrick, why is it important for younger kids or just any of us to foster this devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows? Yeah, I think one thing is, you know, when we, when we console Mary's sorrowful heart, we console Jesus's heart. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege a couple of weeks ago, I was in New York City praying at an abortion clinic and just the the mockery that the pro-abortion people were doing to our lady's name and God's name. I actually started to cry and people think like, you know, I really believe this, like our lady and Jesus, they're not loved in the world. And it's, it's so sad. And and as Catholics, we don't love our lady enough. We don't love Jesus enough. And so this is a way this, this devotion, it, it consoles Mary's heart, but I think it brings great joy to Jesus because he sees his mother and like, you know, the agony, like when he was on the cross, just looking at his mother like that caused him more pain than even his own suffering, right? And the same for Mary, like when she saw Jesus on the cross, like she's like, she wanted to take his place. And so this devotion, it really leads us, it's so important because it leads us back to the heart of Christ and uh, and it and really prepares us for suffering. Like, you know, we think that children are so young that they, like you mentioned, like they can't understand, like some of these mysteries are so beyond them, but really they're, they, they know what suffering is. They see it. And, and so I think to know that Our Lady of Sorrows is standing at every person's cross, like she's standing at the foot of our crosses. And so I think that's why this devotion is so important. I love what you said about how she's standing at the foot of everyone's cross, because I think, you know, people, when they're carrying their cross, they feel so alone. You know, they feel isolated. They don't feel like they have anyone there where Jesus had, um, 
Mary Magdalene, Mary, and I think, what was it James? St. James was at the cross too? Oh, St. Uh, Saint John, the beloved. St. John, yes. I always get St. James and St. John mixed up. <laughs> but yeah, he had you know, three people. And we need to remember that they're with us as well. Like our patron saints are sitting there with us at our cross and, you know, willing to be a good person and help us carry it. If we just reach out and ask. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, this, I've, I've read some quote by a saint that says, you know, when you go through, I think it was St. Faustine, when you go through suffering, you see who your true friends are. And really Mm. like the closer we, the more suffering we experience in life, just, you know, through all the difficulties, we lose a lot of friends, we lose them all, but it's, it's our lady who's standing by us in those moments. And, uh, and she sees the swords that pierce us because they pass through her heart first. And I think that's why, again, this, this devotion is Mary through our lady of sorrows. I think she understands our pain more than any of the other titles of our lady. You know, you have our lady of good help, you know, our, you know, um, Our Lady of Victory, you know, there's so many titles of Mary, but I think this one is really the most beautiful one because it's, she enters into our suffering. Mm, yes, I believe. And especially in today's world where suffering is so rampant um, and people don't know how to handle it. You know, they throw in some earbuds and they try to block it out. They try to ignore it, but it can't be ignored because when we ignore it, we become numb. And you know, then we become desensitized to the horrors that are happening around us. And we're less likely to speak out against them and to heal ourselves. Yep. And I think, you know, one of the keys when we are suffering is to not focus so much on ourselves. It's like when we, it's like, like, like a mother, like when she's in labor, right? It's like, she's thinking about the child that's going to come out and that helps her get through it in the same way with us. Like when we can focus on Jesus's wounds and then we can focus on our lady's sorrows, like, it, like it changes everything. Cause we realize, wow, they suffered even more than us. Like, cause Mary is, she's the queen of martyrs. It says that she suffered more in her soul than all the martyrs combined. And so this is just, again, just this devotion takes the suffering, it kind of unites us with Christ and, and obviously with Mary, but it just takes the focus off of us and says, Mary, what can we do to help you and your son? Yes, so true. And so as we're discussing this book, Patrick, why don't you walk us through kind of the layout of the book, like yeah. what people can expect as they start reading it? Yeah, so it is laid out with the, with the scripture verses for each of those sorrows, you know, the prophecy of Simeon, and then you go into the flight into Egypt, the loss of the child Jesus in the temple is the third sorrow. The fourth is, you know, Mary meets Jesus on the way to Calvary. The fifth is the crucifixion. The sixth sorrow is Jesus is placed in the arms of Mary, like the Pieta. And then the seventh is the burial of Jesus. So in every, each of those, again, we start with a scripture verse, and then I have uh, Mary speaking to the child. And then after that, there's the Hail Mary, which is part of that seven sorrows devotion. You want to pray seven Hail Marys first. So each sorrow, you're praying a Hail Mary. And then it concludes with a little prayer to Our Lady. And so that's kind of how it's set up with those seven sorrows. And then at, after that, then we have the, there's a litany of um, our, 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 our Lady of Sorrows. I think it was written, I have to pull up the book by one of the popes. Um, and then I have a uh, several prayers in English and Latin for children and the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Angel of God, the St. Michael prayer. And then we have four prayers by Father Rippinger. Uh, you know, one prayer is for a child's vocation, for protection when they go to bed at night. Uh, 
So these are just, you know, this book is like, it's an encounter. It's not just like reading a book. This, this is meant to be like a prayerful resource that I, I think will really help uh, your children and yourself as you walk through Lent. Yes, absolutely. And I know for kids as well, um, it's so easy for them to pick up Latin and to understand this yeah. stuff. I mean, I think parents are sometimes afraid of like scarring their children and like scaring them about like telling them about Satan and like, you know, all this yeah. stuff. Obviously keep it age appropriate, but yeah. kids understand so much more than adults do because their minds aren't closed off in the way that adults are because we've faced hardships and all this yeah. stuff. Kids are sponges. They soak up yeah. what you teach them. And if you don't teach them about how to deal with these sufferings and how to deal with temptation yeah. and stuff, then they're going to go through life seeking other forms yeah. of, you know, uh, trying to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the cross is real. And I think even in the images that I had um, Adelaide paint, like I, I'll pull up one of the images, but it's like, I didn't want her to like, I, I mean, I said, don't shy away from making, I mean, obviously don't make Jesus like super bloody. Like, you know, this, you know, the, uh, cause then I mean, but I was like, don't also shy away from that either. So on the one image she has, I'll pull it up here is uh, like even Christ. You can't really see it's kind of darkened, but I mean, you see, you know, that Jesus, you, right. know, you see the, the wounds there and, uh, but I think that, um, yeah. no, it, it's not to shy away from the cross. And I think, and sorry, that litany of the Our Lady of Sorrows was written by servant of God, Pope Pius VII. But the prayer that um, Father Rippinger has is, um, so it's a daily prayer for my vocation, a daily prayer for protection, you know, send the angels from, you know, to protect our children from the wickedness and snares of the devil. Also a daily prayer to Our Lady and then I do like the prayer, you know, at nighttime to thank God for like all the blessings and then to ask protection from the demons at night. You know, we don't, we don't often think about that. Like a, ch a child will get, uh, you know, even my son, he'll have, he'll have nightmares or, and so it's like, you know, at nighttime, you know, always try to um, try to give him holy water and bless his forehead. But like, you know, demons attack us even when we're sleeping. And so we're in this spiritual battle. And I think that this book gently introduces our children to the concept of spiritual warfare as well. Yes, absolutely. I know um, Father Alar did a whole video about dreams, and it astonished me the, uh, I guess, the symbolism in our dreams and how certain things mean like a weapon or certain things are this or that. Because we are in this spiritual battle, and I remember hearing one of my little cousins going through night terrors, and part of me was like, well, have you tried holy water? Like, but they're not Catholic. So it's also hard to kind of connect with those people who um, don't share your, your same faith. So it's difficult to be like, well, I have a solution, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> um, and but yeah, there are so many ways that we can defend ourselves against Satan. But Satan hates our lady. Yeah. I mean, he hates how she humbled herself, how she basically took his place in heaven. It's crazy how much he hates her. Yeah, definitely. And that's why, you know, St. Bridget, you know, she, she, St. Bridget of Sweden, she revealed, it was in the, I think the 14th century, Mary appeared to her and said, these are the promises that I attach to praying uh, this, these seven sorrows. And I mean, I'll just read them to you. I mean, they're kind of like the sacred heart promises, you know, but number one, I will grant peace to their families. Number two, they will be enlightened about the divine mysteries. 
I don't know if you don't want me to read them all, but I, I mean, I can, but just, no, uh, go for it. It's just no, number three, I will console them in their pains and I will accompany them in their work. Number four, I will give them as much as they ask for, as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. And here's my favorite one. Number five, I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. And then number six, mm. I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. And number seven, I've attained this grace from my divine son that those who propagate, you know, spread this devotion will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness and their sins will be forgiven and my son will be their eternal consolation. So selfishly, I guess one of the reasons I'm like, hey, if I write this book, Our Lady, like you say right here, like you're going to take me straight to heaven. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, but I do, like I used to, when I was, when I was in college, I would get the, you know, these images of our, the seven swords and I would go and put them at the back of churches and it had the seven promises. And I thought like, why not? Like, I need all the help I can get. I, you know, we shouldn't want to go straight to heaven, you know, but that's going to involve doing our, doing our purgatory on earth. We're going to suffer a lot, like so much suffering if we want to go straight to heaven. But I mean, that should be the goal of every Catholic. You want to die and uh, you want to go straight to heaven. Absolutely. And I think it's important that you pointed out that like the world is in a way a purgatory. If yeah. we are uniting ourselves with Christ and we're living a good Catholic life, we're going to suffer. I mean, St. Teresa of Avila, when her horse bucked her off into the water and St. Teresa was just like, is this how you treat your friends or something? And God's like, this is how I treat all my friends. She's like, no wonder you don't have any. It's like the same concept. It's just understanding that, you know, we suffer, but that gets us out of purgatory or even hell, you know, uh, uh, later in life. And I don't think enough people understand that. Um, and so when it comes to Our Lady, I mean, you know, you always hear this saying, St. Peter's at the gates, but Our Lady leaves a window open somewhere, you know, and going through Our Lady, yeah. she always is, is you know, uh, fighting for us, you know, to get us into heaven with her son. She's always keeping that back door open. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Father Rippinger says about this devotion that she will reveal your faults, your hidden, your sins and to ask, you know, to really beg our lady, like, what is my predominant fault, my venial sin, or maybe it's a mortal sin we're struggling with and say, you know, like, cause sometimes we're blind to it. Like sin blinds us. And we need to say like our lady reveal to me. And I, I think what happens is she literally, it's like, you have a sword, maybe like you have a sword in your heart that from the sin, right? But, and then our lady, like she like take, pulls it out of you. She shows you what it is. It's like, okay, this is what you're, this is, maybe it's lust, maybe it's pride and it's so painful, mm -hmm. but like, she's going to show it to you now. She's going to reveal that sin to you, but not only that, but she's going to help you overcome it. And that, again, that's why I really think this devotion is, is outside of the rosary. I think it's the most important devotion. Absolutely. I've had that as well, where, you know, when I was first coming back into my faith, I watched Father Ripperger's video about how you can ask Our Lady, you know, uh, Our Lady of Sorrows specifically about a habitual sin and uh, maybe a generational sin, and yeah. she'll reveal it to you. And I did that. And I was astounded at the amount of habitual and generational sins because, I mean, my so many things can happen in the generational line. I mean, we had a Freemason in the family. We've had curses. Um, and so Our Lady really helped to be able to reveal those to me mm -hmm. and to help me heal from those. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And I, I do think that that's, we don't ask her enough. Like, I mean, 
I mean, even with the, you know, with the miraculous medal, right. It's like, she had all these diamonds on her hands and, and there was, it showed like all the graces. And there were so many, there were some that were like black is because people never asked for them. And I think she's just, mm-hmm. she's holding back. I mean, she has this storehouse of grace and we don't ask enough. So I think you can, you know, I always say you can never love like our lady as much as Jesus. So she, we, we should never be afraid of loving her too much and asking too much of her. Yeah. I love that quote by St. Maximilian Kolbe. I think, you know, especially St. Maximilian, he was, you know, he was a part of the militia of the Immaculata, you know, he really pushed the, you know, the Virgin Mary and telling people to pray and the rosary and we need to be doing the same thing. And that group still exists today. Oh, beautiful. I I know I I wrote in a, a book I have, um, by Tam, but it's called Parents of the Saints. And I, I studied all these different parents, you know, and I spent three years writing it, but I, I, I studied Maximilian Colby's mother and she, the secret she once said to the reason why Maximilian Colby turned out so well, she goes, I, I saw my inadequacy and I begged the mother of God to help me. And I think that mm-hmm. that really struck me because, you know, as parents, you know, we think, it's like, we know our children, but these are God's children. This is our, my son is our lady's son. And I need to ask heaven to help me. Like, you know, instead of thinking like, I, this is my son. No, this is God's son and God, the way they're wired, and even the way you and I are wired. It's like our lady, if she's our mother, like she knows us more than we know ourselves. And so that's, I think that's the key is like asking her to help us know ourselves and to overcome our sinfulness. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people can kind of be, um, I don't know the right word, but maybe just a little afraid of approaching Our Lady. Do you have any advice on steps where they can start asking Our Lady for help from um, maybe anything, any issues they're facing, sins they're facing, but maybe they're just, maybe they have mom issues. Maybe they're not sure how to address Our Lady. Could you, could you speak on that a bit? Yeah. And I was so blessed. I mean, that's, it's actually the reason why I'm closer to our lady than I've even to, in some sense, I shouldn't say to Jesus, but because she always leads me to Jesus, but I've been always closer to our lady than St. Joseph. It's because I had like, you know, probably the, one of the greatest mothers, you know, that lived just a very loving um, woman. And I was closer to her than my father growing up. And so I think that really helped. I mean, that cultivated my, not, but not every woman, you know, like, they don't have like St. Zelie Martin, to give example, like she was raised by a mother that wouldn't even let her have her own doll. She was very unaffectionate. So we had these scars, but I think the thing about our lady is like, you almost have to throw away any concept. Now, if you have a, if you've been raised by a very loving, nurturing mother, obviously take that to a million times to our, and that's our lady. But if you haven't, I think, think of someone in your life that like a mother that at your parish or like maybe there's a religious nun and just think about that love that they have for you. And again, multiply that by a million times and you have our lady, just this woman that, that's just, just so tender. And I think um, asking her, you know, when we go to confession, even like every Holy communion, like asking our lady, because none of us are worthy to receive Jesus. And she, she didn't feel worthy, but I think she can guide us gently. Like, it's like, she likes as grab onto my mantle and uh, and then she leads us to her son, but it's never in fear. Like, and I think she helps us approach Jesus, like almost um, just just embraces us as children, like puts us, you know, imagine like she's holding us as little infants and that's what our lady does. And so I think maybe some of those images can help 
those who struggle um, with their own mothers who project that image onto Our Lady. Mm, and I think that's so profound because we definitely need to remember that, you know, mothers are going to fail every now and then. They have their own wounds and it can be very difficult to be able to connect sometimes. But seeing how Our Lady is the perfect mother, I think it also gives moms, you know, a, a I guess, a safe place person to go to as well you know they're like this is someone who has gone through this and you know she's perfect she's made it she's been she's abandoned herself to god's will and i can do the same through her own example definitely i mean i i think we rely too much on ourselves and we don't go enough to to our lady and say like you know especially mothers like when they're struggling maybe with homeschooling or just overwhelmed and saying like our lady like please help me like teach me like you know how do I deal with this son of mine who's, who's being disobedient? Like, you know, like you're his mother, like, show me, show me how to like raise this son. <laughs> you know, I think my wife, I was telling her about Maria Colby. She's like, yeah, we need to just beg our lady to show us. And so I think that that's you know, just calling upon her and everything in life. Yeah. I definitely think that it's difficult, especially with boys. I mean, I, I've only babysat girls, really. I babysat a family yeah. once with boys, and I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and I think Our Lady really helped me in those moments to be able to like just connect with them in a way that maybe a mother would because their mother was, you know, a working corporate mom and their dad traveled a lot. And so they didn't have a nurturing mother. Yeah. They basically, they basically had like two dads in a way. And um, it was really hard for the boys to understand the nurturing part of a woman, like somebody who actually wants to feed them and doesn't view it as a burden and is willing to like tuck them in at night and read them a story. And it was almost heartbreaking to see once I got past their, you know, drop kicking each other and punching each other in the face section. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and, and I think you've been mentioning too, like these wounds that we get, we inherit from our parents, like, you know, and that's, again, it's the same with like men, like I'm supposed to reflect God, the father. And th there's times when I, when I don't to my son and I, you know, and then we feel like, oh, maybe our children have to like earn God's love. Like there's just, we don't, we, we don't, a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing this. And so that's why I think it's like, again, just asking heaven to help us like to be icons. Like I said, like we're, we're literally our children. And when they see us, like they really should see like every woman, every mother, they should see our lady and every, you know, husband, they should see, you know, St. Joseph reflecting God, the father. And uh, it's, it's a, it's a huge task, but I, I think like, that's why God gave us the sacrament of marriage. Like, you know, nothing is impossible for God. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that does tie back into, you know, as adults, we seek, we feel like we have to earn God's affection, we have to do that. And we get that from childhood, where maybe we had a parent who we felt like we couldn't get their attention, we felt like nothing we did was ever good enough. And so through this book, I definitely think children who might feel that whether it's because of parents or because of, you know, in school, peers are so uh difficult during the childhood you know they're trying to figure out where they fit in i think this book would really help them you know be able to channel their pain into a you know the prayers of children are so precious and be able to channel that pain into something you know more um helpful and spiritual 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why one of the reflections I have in there, I mean, I, I always ponder that too, is, you know, when the fifth sorrow, when Jesus is placed in the arms of Mary, I mean, you can't but wonder, like her mind went back to Bethlehem when she's holding the baby Jesus, you know, the connection between the crib and the cross and, uh, you know, just like that mother's love. And, and I, I think that obviously women, you know, and even women, I think that have dealt with child loss, like they're going to be able to pick up this book. And I think it's going to, you know, really like maybe make them cry, like and enter into Mary's heart and, and she'll give the grace for them to heal. Um, so there's just, I think there, like, there's so many lessons, like these seven sorrows, they can, they're almost, I don't know, they're like, it's like a microcosm of the whole gospel, you know, and you see in these different mysteries that uh, there's just, there's, it's, it's sorrow mixed with joy. And I definitely think for parents, it also gives them a sense of peace knowing that the Heavenly Mother is looking out for them and that they can go to her when they feel like they can't go to anyone else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she is she's there like she is uh, and she wants to be invited into our homes. Like and I think that this again, this devotion is it's a simple way. And, and, and often I think for little kids, it is tough to say you know, to, to get a little three year, four year old to be like, to pray a whole rosary. Right. I mean, even our family, like sometimes I'll, my son, it's like, let's do it. Let's start with the decade of the rosary. But I think like these seven Hail Marys, it is a practice where a family could kneel down every night and they can pray, you know, seven Hail Marys before they go to bed. And, uh, but, but I definitely think the fruits of this devotion, uh, I mean, that's why, um, and I didn't even mention in my book, cause it, you know, it was already like 50 pages, but you know, Our Lady appeared in Rwanda, and it's an approved apparition in the 1980s, and she revealed the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows. Now, that's a whole other devotion where it's, you know, you're praying an Our Father and seven Hail Marys, and you do that, and it's it's quicker than a Rosary, but, um, you know, it's about, it takes about 16 minutes, but just showing that, like, heaven is really calling for devotion, I think, to Our Lady of Sorrows in these, you know, in these dark times. Absolutely. And I remember this story from Our Lady of Sorrows where there was this woman who was, she was leading a very wicked life. But every time she saw an image of Our Lady, she always prayed the seven sorrows in honor of her sorrowful heart. And that's what saved her. You know, that's what got her out of hell was the fact that she had this devotion to Our Lady. And of course, you know, she didn't really know why she did it. She just kind of did it. And then when she suddenly died, she was in purgatory. And it's crazy how Our Lady is really holding her hand through these moments, even when we're living a life we feel like we can't get out of, a full of habitual and mortal sins, you know, our intention is there. And I think, you know, the intention is what's important. No, I mean, I, I think every Hail Mary, every rosary, it's like, I think somehow either God has the angels, right? Our guardian angel reports it, but it just like, I mean, God... I mean, we often think of God as just like, he's just spying on us to catch us when we do wrong. But I actually think God, it's more the opposite where he, he wants to see the good that we're doing and every Hail Mary that we do, like it goes to heaven and, and our lady remembers that and it stores it up. And then, you know, imagine at that moment of death, she promises, like she will see the face of her mother. And I don't know what, you know, I would say, I, you know, I'd say most people, there's a, there's a fear of death because we don't, it's the unknown. But I think our lady, like if, if we know that, we pray this devotion that to see your mother at the moment of death, like the most beautiful woman that ever lived, you know, to see her face. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I don't, I think all fear will be, you know, wiped away. Right. I remember a saint 
you know, a story of a saint who died, um, or maybe a blessed, I don't remember exactly, but, uh, I don't remember who it was, but I remember hearing about it. And basically the people who were around him, uh, during his final breaths, he breathed in, he looked up and he said, beautiful. And then he died. And, um, they could only imagine that, you know, he was seeing the face of our lady. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. It's like, I mean, that's what I say. I mean, like our lady is the key. She's the key for every, especially, you know, in this impure generation, she's the key for, to, for, to help us overcome lust. She's the key to help us become humble, help to become obedient. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just even calling upon her name, like you said, I think the demons are actually, they're more, I think even Father Ripinger mentioned this once, like they're more afraid of like Mary's name than Jesus, just because like, she's like, like she humbles them even more. And he said to mm -hmm. Father Ripper, I heard him speak, you know, in person in March. And he said, I think the demons revealed that the moment that Mary was the greatest, her greatest triumph was at the foot of the cross when she was, when she was standing there. And I, I kind of, I, I, I truly believe this, that had St. Joseph been alive, um, he would have, he would have died at the foot of the cross from the agony of seeing, consoling his wife and his, and, and Jesus. But Mary I mean, she's stronger. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. Women are built to endure suffering, even in their body, bodies, more so than men. I, my, my parish priest mentioned that recently. And it really is so true that Mary, women have the ability, capacity to suffer. You know, they can, they can, they can suffer better than men. And uh, that's why I guess probably why women, one of the reasons why you're blessed to have children, you know, now. <laughs> and uh, it's true, men, yeah. yeah. And then we know that men can't no. have men can't have babies. You know, we know that, <laughs> although some people think that's the case, but Ooh, especially these days we see yeah. that running rampant. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I definitely agree. And I think, you know, it really speaks to the power that women hold, you know, through meekness and humility, not this, um, feminist kind of mindset that so many women hold today where we have to be like men. Yeah. I, I think the, like the ten, the strength and the tenderness of Mary, you know, it, it is like, you can see like a woman trying to lord over her husband, but here it's Mary's just like this utter docility at the foot of the cross. And I mean, again, she, she, it's like, she's just the icon of what, you know, like she's the glorious, what there's a, there's a phrase about her. I think it's like, you are the splendor of our race or so, there's like this anaphon about mm -hmm. her, like the, and I think again, just turning towards her as the model to handle suffering, to be humble and to be uh, obedient. You know, that's, that she reveals that to us. Absolutely. Well, Patrick, this has been a great conversation. I'm so excited. Again, guys, you can get his book, Our Ladies of Seven Sorrows. It goes live February 20th. I'm so excited for that. And Patrick, where can my listeners find you? Yeah, so I am, uh, my website is Patrick and then my middle initial R and then O'Hearn at uh just dot com so patrickrohern.com and then i'm also like patrick rohern i'm at instagram as well and then linkedin wonderful yeah you guys need to go check out this book whether it's for you someone you know or your kid um and yeah i hope you guys will because i love our lady of sorrows i think it's a wonderful devotion to cultivate and with all all of that being said, I hope that you guys learned something from this podcast. A huge thank you to Patrick for coming on and discussing the book. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, guys. 
Do you have questions or comments about today's episode? Email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Amber Rose and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright by The Religious Hippie NFP. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for The Religious Hippie at thereligioushippie.com or find me on social media for other unique content. Hi, I'm Father Daniel Duplantis. In the 20th century, a new movement from the Far East captured the Western mind. Since then, the intersection of Christianity and martial arts has generated both conflict and harmony. In between, there remains many gray areas. In my new book, Jesus in the Dojo, I combine timeless theology with modern catechesis to provide a clearer path of reconciliation between the Christian faith and the practice of martial arts. You can find my book, Jesus in the Dojo, available now at most booksellers.